You are this country's first openly gay prime minister. How big a deal is this for you personally? Brexit process. U.S. investment bank Lehman Brothers collapsed. I said this was a once-in-a-generation vote. financial crisis. But I believe we have voted today for the next generation. Don't be rude. Ireland has spoken with a clear, strong voice. I think I should stop now and start again, because I don't think you this is a good news. start of the debate. So welcome to the Dublin Law and Politics Review podcast, in which we're talking about current political events. With me today is Professor Arthur Rahman, who will be talking with me about the central banks in times of crisis. Welcome, Professor Rahman. Thank you. Um, it's very lovely to have you here. And let's start a little bit about what you've done in the past and who you are. Because you are the 10th, or have been the 10th governor of the Central Bank of Bangladesh. And you've been nicknamed the banker of the poor because of your policies improving equality and gender equality as well. Could you talk a little bit about these policies? Thank you, Anne, uh, uh, for inviting me to this uh, uh, broadcast. It has been almost four or five years that I left Central Bank, but the Central Bank is always with me, you know, because I was a, a professor in Dhaka University, uh, and then suddenly I was picked up as the governor for the Central Bank. And uh, mind it, I am I'm I was not a macroeconomist. I was I was a developmental economist. My PhD thesis was on. Uh, uh, you know how to improve the lot of the farmers, you know, agriculture and all that. But but I used to also work on finance because I was a chair of a, a commercial bank, public bank as well. So I had some idea about uh, finance. Uh, but then when I became a governor, I, the first thing I said when I uh, stepped into the you know uh, gov uh, 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 the premise of the central bank, I said we will try to make the banking system much more humane. Not finance, finance doesn't always become very, very humane. So I thought we will do it by being inclusive, by being socially responsible, by being environmentally responsible, and we will upside down totally. You know, no, that's, that was the aim. And I started doing this. Many people thought that the governor needs soul searching because he's he's just putting everything upside down you know because i was i you know, i said my first emphasis will be on agriculture i will be going to the farmers i'll give them the bank accounts i will i will give them uh, loans and again i will go to the uh, very poor who are uh, who deserve to get the corporate social responsibility i will even go to the street children and give them a bank account I will give the bank account even to the school children so that they can uh, uh, develop themselves uh, in, a, in an entrepreneur in the, when they grow up uh, after 18. Uh, so we were absolutely in, in a new paradigm and I call it in a, in a inclusive, sustainable uh, development paradigm and finance, uh, uh, I said, uh, most of the, of the finance really goes to the financial institution particularly in the West, after global financial crisis of the 2008-9, we saw that most of the money uh, which was created by the central bank, they were helicoptering the money uh, and they didn't know where the money was going. But on that score, I said, I will take the money in the bullock cart, take it to the village or to the, to the small and medium entrepreneurs, 
so that they do something, they produce something. And that's how, you know, we in the central bank, we created separate department for agriculture. We created a separate department for, uh, you know, you know, green enterprises. We created a separate department for small and medium enterprises. We created a separate department for financial inclusions. So, uh, and then uh, we started giving refinance. We started creating money in the global financial crisis, but not like the waste that you buy the bonds back and then give the liquidity into the bank and bank will do as they like. I said, no, we will be giving you the refinance from the central bank. We will expand our in a, in a, in a balance sheet and uh, we will give the money to the bank at a low rate of interest so that they can give the money to the microfinance institute. They can give the money to the women entrepreneurs. They can give the money to the small entrepreneurs or the farmers. And we created about 10 million, you know, 10 Taka bank account. You may have heard about it. You know, these are no frill accounts. So every uh, farmers have a bank account and we can send the subsidies, investment or the government support through those uh, bank accounts. In 2013, we went for, you know, uh, mobile financial services uh, and the Bcash, uh, you know, it's, it's a global uh, name, brand name now came out of this, uh, the regulation I gave that everybody in Bangladesh should have a bank account, not necessarily the, the conventional bank account, but the mobile bank account. Now about 70 million plus of them have a bank account called mobile financial bank account, you know. Even the beggars in Bangladesh do banking. The rickshapulars regularly do banking. My students regularly do banking. You know, the, the people who have become the victims of the COVID about uh, the government has decided to provide, uh, uh, you know, cash support to about uh, 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 5 million of these, uh, you know, new poor who were uh, doing uh, 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 some activities in the informal sectors, you know, they didn't have a, they were day earners, you know, uh, they are sending money through the mobile financial services to these people. So these are, these are very, very, uh, uh, you know, transparent way of uh, taking the money. So you know, revolution has taken place in Bangladesh central banking. That's I can tell you. Yes. So you spoke about, or we spoke about what can a central bank focus on, and there will be people who say a central bank should only focus at inflation. Has inflation ever been an issue in Bangladesh? Inflation has always been an issue, but we in central bank, we never compromised on the, our uh, core objective of uh, taming inflation. And uh, we thought, you know, this is best possible if we really uh, do more production and then uh, uh, you know give money uh, to the to the poor who can be more productive or the entrepreneur who can be more productive so we can attack the inflation from the supply side on the other hand we are also very very you know you know you know conscious about the creation of money that we don't over create money so that you know there can be uh, inflation i remember in 2008 9 we had about 11 12% inflation but over the over the uh, 7 8 years that i was as a central bank governor we put the you know genie into the bottle and we got the inflation down to 5% and inflation is still uh, around that percent i think a, a small amount of inflation not bad for the economy actually 
but i thought you know at the moment the uh, particularly the, at this covid hour you know the central bankers all around the world should not be so concerned about rising inflation in fact this is a period recession period so inflation need to be pulled up and that can be only pulled up if we can create more money and at the same time give the money to those groups who create more products who who create more consumption and that's the way we should move so we should not be because the oil price is going down and the economy is subdued so this is not the time to you know you know you know have a sleepless night on inflation and rising inflation rather it's a it's time to really push the you know you know economy and and uh, so that economy rejuvenates what i find very interesting because you spoke about a lot of things but let's first talk about uh, climate change it's one of the things that you mentioned in the social responsibility now why is that something a central bank should encourage because central bank uh, as you know in among the public institutions the credibility of the central bank is the highest you know because the central bank is run more independently and uh, uh, the central bank uh, uh, you know uh, leaps in and uh, uh, you know is slightly uh, away from the government you know but at the same time it's, it's a public institution people have a lot of trust in it and they work for public interest and i felt as a governor uh, that if 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 you are really you know it, it is written in our uh, uh, order preamble in the, in the central bank that uh, the central bank must work for the public interest for national interest and i thought the the extreme poor the poor uh, disadvantaged women entrepreneurs they don't have the you know usual ex, uh, conventional access to the financial system normally the you know those who are more powerful those who are Uh, nearer to the corridors of power you know they do have better access you know they are the ones who becomes the stakeholders even in the banks so who will look after this socially disadvantaged one so with with thought banks the financial institutions should have a certain amount of money ready for the social investment and a social uh, corporation that's why i gave a call to the banker it was not compulsory i gave a voluntary call to the bankers uh, that you spare some of your money for uh, providing scholarship to the the poor students give some money for the people who are victims of climate change uh, give some money for the disaster management so we created this environment so that people then started coming on their own i we the through the moral suasion it's not a you know we didn't give a compulsory that certain percentage of the money you should give it but we give a moral suasion that if you if you give more fund to agriculture we will give you a better credit rating if you if you if you do it for uh, in, uh, the street children we will give you a better management rating if you do it for the school children we will give you a better rating uh, on your uh, bank's supervision uh, rating so that's how we made a carrot and 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 uh, uh, a stick policy and then they all came in i would say now here a few pe- a lot of people would argue that such policies are political and that only politically elected bodies should take such decisions to support uh, eradication of poverty or to improve uh, gender equality why should a central bank 
look after such policies and promote such policies? And you, what policies should they promote? What fundamental rights should they perhaps encourage? And which ones should they leave aside? It's, 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 it's good economics. The central bank should promote good finance. There are good finance, bad finance, ugly finance. As you all know, the central bank should promote good finance. And I thought, you know, this was good economics as well. If, if this, uh, you know, those who are at the bottom rungs of the pyramid, social pyramid, if you can give them more money, uh, if you can send some money to them, they will consume more. If they consume more, they will be demanding more. Their income will go up, you know, and then they will be uh, uh, stabilizing the economy. Rather, rather, in a global financial crisis, we managed far better than many countries because of our qualitative easing. I would say because we put the money towards the bottom end of the, of the of the society. And this is not political. I thought this was good economics, but the politicians should have taken advantage of a very sensible central bank, you know, uh, so that and in Bangladesh, we, we got that support. Our politicians was always with me. I remember every time I got an award, you know, global award, you know, the, my prime minister would congratulate, not only congratulate me, but will tell it in public that how the central bank is coming. I, I can tell you one a small example. The day I joined the central bank, the moment I got into the governor's room, I got a small text and the text said, please work for the poor. And do you know who gave that text? It was our prime minister, Sheikh Hasina. She gave that text and I thought I got my mandate. I really know what to do. So we got a lot of political support, particularly in, a, in a, our uh, inclusive prime minister and a humane prime minister. She was always supportive of the activities. And I thought, as I said, it was good economics and good finance. And we did it not for politics, but for because where, uh, you know, if we can reduce poverty, so we will create market. There are three things, you know, there is a state, there is a, a market, there is a community or the shamaj in Bangla society. So I was really working for the third pillar, which Rogu Ram Rajan has written called book called third pillar. You may have uh, already seen that. So I was strengthening third pillar called community so that all the pillars, the state, the market and the community three interact and then make our financial system, the economic system much more stable and pro poor humane. That was the idea. And then why did you choose to focus on poverty relief, on gender equality, rather than, say, supporting the arts or supporting other goals? No, other goals also we support. The arts and, and uh, aesthetic part also we supported a lot on the, on the social, uh, uh, corporate social responsibilities, the, the, uh, you know, uh, the singers, the uh, teachers, uh, and in fact, they too uh, got support. But... Uh, we gave a special support to the women, uh, my own, because I have done a lot of research as a, as a researcher. We have felt that, that the, in a society which is so poor, if you can give money to the women, you know, they are very good managers of money. You know, they will not spoil the money. You know, they will use the money for their children's education, for the family's welfare, 
And, and uh, we have seen in Grameen Bank, we have seen in uh, BRAC, in many other institutions that the moment you focus on women, they do better. And I said, there is an you know, opportunity. Why not? Let's push uh, uh, the women entrepreneurs. So what we did, whenever we created a refinance from the central bank, we first said that first 15% of the refinance fund by the banks must be given to the women entrepreneurs. Then you can think about others. And there, women will also compete there, but first 15% will go to women entrepreneurs. And I, you can't believe it. And thousands of entrepreneurs have really come out because of this intervention. And also I made another policy intervention. I said, every bank must come up with a loan support for at least one women entrepreneur every year and another one in the pipeline. So they must report it to the central bank that we have given money to at least every branch. So there are about 10,000 branches. By one stroke, I made 10,000 new entrepreneurs every year. So that was, a, 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 you know, that's a morally social. I was not forcing them, but I said, if you don't do it, I'll not, I will not punish you, but I'll not give you more mark on your script. You know, I'll give more mark who has done it. That's how, as a teacher, I was a teacher governor, you know, so I did it like that. You gave them extra credit. Yes. Now, I really want to go back. You said before about good economics. So yeah. you spoke, if I understood you correctly, it's good to help the people at the bottom because they will consume more and it's just good economics. One of the famous economists called Joseph Stieglitz, uh, you may have heard of him. He uh, he's a good friend of mine. I had uh, <laughs> dinner with him, a lot of, lot of, lot of uh, conversation with him. Uh. He wrote a very interesting book called The Price of Inequality, and he's mm. been commenting upon the growing inequality in the United States, but to a large extent also in the European Union, and about how the crisis, so the financial instability, the European uh, the euro crisis, but also now we see similar trends with the COVID pandemic that mm -hmm. crises are not hitting people equally, that a certain segment, usually the bottom segment of society is hit harder than the top. Now, why is that? And can a central bank steer it so that a crisis impacts everyone equally? Yeah, you are right. Stiglitz, uh, uh, Joseph has written a recently uh, an article with Hamid Roshiet in the Project Syndicate and uh, uh, in the context of uh, this uh, COVID. And he said, I think this is the time to really reach the bottom of the pyramid. And uh, uh, unless they consume more, you know, the economy will not pick up. And he gave an example. They gave an example that in China, you know, they are giving food uh, tickets so that they can, they can uh, take those tickets and, and get uh, food from the store. You know, that's how they are enhancing the consumption of the, of the bottom of the pyramid. And that, that's what exactly I was doing, that we, we should get into the uh, lower end so that they consume more. And I thought uh, Joseph is absolutely right. In this COVID, you know, the health crisis uh, has become so so glaring that the bottom of the pyramid, you know, they, in Bangladesh, about 68% of the health expenditures are really made from out of pocket. And in, it's very difficult for the poor 
to have enough savings for other activities. So I thought uh, he was very right that he was trying to you know, revive the consumption at the lower end. I thought uh, this is not only for the poor, but also for every uh, society, you know, uh, there is a, always a feeling that in a crisis period like this, people will have a lot of precautionary saving. They will not tend to consume more uh, because they are not sure what will be coming and unfolding in the, in the legs. So I thought uh, uh, new opportunities should be created so that we can expand consumption at the, at the entire segment of the society. And the more we consume, the, the you know, economy becomes more vibrant and that we create more demand. So I thought, I thought uh, he's used the right policy. So the ECB has currently put in place a 750 billion uh, pandemic emergency purchase program and has recently announced to increase that program with another 600 billion till the end of this year. Is such a policy ensuring that this bottom segment, the bottom of the pyramid is stimulated? It all depends on the implementation, you know. I remember, you know, during 2008-9, you know, the governor of the Bank of England, he was lamenting that I'm giving so much money, but where the money is gone? Why the small and medium entrepreneurs are not having access to that money and not money is not going at the lower end. The money was going on the upper end. That was his, yeah. but then I told him, I met him in Basel and I said, you know, we are doing completely the opposite. In fact, we are making programs so that financial inclusion become the number one agenda of the central bank so that the money really goes to the agriculture, to the small entrepreneurs. But the, that doesn't mean that the uh, you know, exporters or the, or the large entrepreneurs should not get money. They too should get money, but a, a, a priority should be the smaller ones uh, so that in a government, uh, uh, in a Bangladesh context, we don't have enough of the tax. Our tax GDP ratio is still 9% or 8%. So we don't have that kind of you know, revenue to support the socially uh, uh, vulnerable ones. So we thought we create an alternative avenue so that they become entrepreneurs and they do uh, employ more people. So women entrepreneurs you know, employ. In fact, in one of our district, I remember 700 plus women entrepreneurs took money from the banks and they employed nearly you know, eight to uh, uh, 10,000 new uh, women as, 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 uh, in, uh, uh, in small activities. So I thought, I thought uh, uh, ECB has been doing the right thing, but they should uh, uh, also think about uh, the partnership at the bottom so that the banks really give the money to the small entrepreneurs, actually. And in Bangladesh, we are in an advantageous position. We have a lot of MFIs. We have a lot of society. The, you know associations we are, we are we can we can really push the money uh, for the for the for the uh, downtrodden so uh, i thought uh, in in germany at least i know there are a lot of cooperatives there are a lot of social organizations even in england there are cops uh, so i thought the central bank should really uh, you know do moral suasion to the banks that you go into a partnership with this kind of organizations and put the money to the to the lower ends, uh, uh, you will see there will be a lot of the growth will not be minus. As I told you in Bangladesh, although whatever the World Bank says, the Bangladesh growth story will be 
one of the best even in this pandemic. Uh, my own feeling is that it will be around 5% at least actually growth rate, which uh, the World Bank predicts to be less than 2%. I'm not with that uh, because uh, uh, the first eight months of our fiscal year, we have already done our bit. So the last four months cannot negate all the eight months. That's my feeling actually, you know, that, and the agriculture has been uh, this year bumper agriculture in Bangladesh. So the, the, the lower ends will take us forward. That's my feeling. So we'll have a better growth this year, mainly because of this inclusive growth policies that the central bank has been pushing. I'm not an economist. I'm, I have a law background. And to me, it sounds rather contradictory to focus on the one hand on consumption, whilst on the other hand, we're trying to reduce consumption for an environmental friendly aspect. How do we balance the two? No, uh, you may have already heard that in Bangladesh, we really, the central bank went out of the way. It was the first central bank in the world which has been uh, uh, recorded by UNEP that went for green finance uh, in the early days. And, and uh, we have uh, issued regulation on economy, society, and governance, ESG uh, guidelines for risk management, environmental risk management, and societal risk management. We never allowed any of the banks to provide money for polluting industry. You know, that, that was the kind of uh, policy we take. And I strongly feel that you know uh, this uh, pandemic has shown us that the nature matters. You know this is the uh, the nature and uh, uh, is really reviving because of the less of the human intervention. Actually, because of the lockdown, because of the social distancing, nearly 25% of the greenhouse gas emission has declined. Although this may be a temporary kind of uh, you know in a reduction uh, but the moment we will go into economic recovery probably we'll forget all this and we will go into fossil fuel we will go into all kinds of devastation of the forest the sundarbans and all that so i thought this is the best time to really reorient our policy for pro nature growth pro green growth you know and this is the time the central bank should really uh, talk about uh, you know climate change exposure. Any 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 uh, central bank should tell the banks that what the hell you are doing with the money? Where you are putting the money? Give me the climate change exposure. How much projects you have given, which is going to spoil my nature? So that should be the you know you know you know, you know the policy guidelines at the moment. I have talked about it in, in Basel many times, and I'm happy that. You know, a task force has been created under the leadership of the Bank of England governor, you know, you know who is a good friend of mine. And he's talk, uh, and the Bank of England uh, uh, the, in the insurance sectors, they are asking for more exposure on the kind of fund they are giving to the uh, uh, people, whether that is destroying the na nature or not, or climate creating more uh, uh, greenhouse gas or not. So I thought this is the time to go for nature. The nature has infrastructure. The natural infrastructures are wetlands, the forest, the uh, water richards. So whether we are, uh, uh, now we have to decide whether we will <clears throat> you know, revive those natural infrastructures, whether we'll realign our built infrastructure with the natural infrastructures. So this is the time the central bank should give that 
leadership for the sustainable finance. And as I was one of the members of the UNEP inquiry on sustainable finance, 11, 11 member committee. And there we pushed that the central bank should give the lead. The, there is a need for a greening of the minds of the bankers so that they should think green and they should really not give enough money those, uh, to those who really uh, you know, you know, create more pollution, who create more destruction to the natural products. So I thought this is the time to go green. There was actually an article in The Guardian two days ago from uh, several central bankers and former central bankers arguing that the COVID pandemic is a blessing in disguise, that it is the opportunity to emerge in a green and more sustainable way because um, a lot of measures that are usually too costly now have been taken. We've reduced flying to a very large extent because of a pandemic. Um, and that this is the moment to indeed invest more into green production. But one of the, the main industries where we can indeed get a lot of profit, environmentally speaking, is trains and reduce the amount of flying. But it seems for some reason difficult to get trans-European, but also international partnerships on high-speed rails. What kind of changes in the economy and in, perhaps also in international cooperation would be needed to get such large projects off the ground? You're absolutely right. I'm so happy to see my uh, in a, in a peers, the central bankers are talking green. But when I started talking green in 2009, they were, they, many of them were smiling that this is not the job of a central banker. But anyway, uh, I'm happy that this mindset change has taken place. And I thought, uh, you know, we should be really talking about, all, we should try to make all our finance sustainable. We should, we, should, uh, we should think long, you know, long term rather than short term. You know, uh, one of the problems of the global financial crisis was that the, we were thinking short term, not the long term. You know, so we're, we're not uh, thinking inclusive. So I thought uh, this is the time. Uh, you are right, absolutely right. Uh, the central bank should really push the agenda of green infrastructure. And one of them is, is a public transport. Public transport means, you know, in, even in a city like Dhaka, which is highly congested, if we can have more metro rail, uh, which we are already building one, if we can have a separate, you know, bicycle lane so that people come in on bicycle. And if we have more intercities, fast speed train, so that we don't have to get on the uh, aviation, I thought this is the time to reshape our policies, even in international cooperation. You know, 17, SDG 17 says that we should have more cooperation. You know, there's a global cooperation. And I thought UNEP has already done the homework. You know, I was a member of that team, as I told you. And so I think it's high time that, you know, the global leaders who have written on the, on the, on the uh, Guardian, they should come together and talk about more green finance talk about more green infrastructure, talk about more, uh, you, know, you know, resilience, uh, re resilience, talk about more inclusion. I thought this is the time, this is the best time to rethink because the nature has given so much, nature cannot take any more, you know. So I thought this is the time for the nature and we should stand by the nature. Thank you, nature, for, you know, you know letting us know that you matter. Yes, 
So looking at the clock a little bit as well, it's been really lovely talking to you. Now, if I can ask one last question, I'm going to give you the magic wand. You can redesign all central banks on the planet. What would the ideal central bank look like? I, I will say go back to what we did in Bangladesh. You know, go back to the, you know, these are all there. We don't have to reinvent the wheels. You know, we have done it. Go back to those uh, innovative programs. I have mentioned in my paper some of them. Uh, so one of the thing is that uh, go green, go inclusive, go pro women, go pro uh, production, uh, sustainable production, uh, sustainable consumption, and be a friend of nature. Help Sundarbans or the forests and the rich earth. You know all that. I thought the not not much money should go for polluting industries go for jute rather than for plastics you know so these are the kind of things i think the central banks now should sit down and i am ready to share my experience with my you know peers if they want it well thank you so much it was lovely talking to you you have really interesting ideas Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. I don't mind uh, uh, some people opposing my views. I, I, I really you know, you know, you know, love my critics. You know? So uh, I'm a friend of critics. So if they want to be critics, I will argue them back. I will try to bring their mind you know, if I throw my argument. So critics are good. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking to me. And this was the Dublin Law and Politics Review podcast. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media at Dublin LPR or find us on our website, dublinlpr.ie. And in this podcast, I also particularly want to thank Professor Rahman, but also our friends from the Dhaka Student Union Law and Politics Review, who've been our friends in setting this up. Thank you so much. Thank you.